0: Hey, Jacob, what's it called Uh when an angler tries to catch some dolphins?
1: Uh, I don't know. What?
0: A podcast.
1: Oh, no.
2: Welcome to the Voyage Podcast, a show that traverses the oceans of myth and legend through the lens of Catholic theology and philosophy. Come aboard as we set sail in pursuit of the heroic life and Christian virtue. With your hosts, Mike Shram and Jacob Platy. Okay. All right, All so right well we
1: that'll, be shortest, gonna... that'll be the shortest. That'll be the shortest cold open in, in history right there. So well,
0: welcome everybody to this episode of the
1: Good humor. Always real efficient.
0: Welcome everybody to this episode of the Voyage Podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and today uh why we why wait we and got I'm that Jacob, right? Well crafted joke. Oh, I guess so.
1: I tell you what, Mike thinks he's the big shot. He, he, he doesn't uh, even let me introduce myself. He's just steamrolling me. What am I? Chopped liver, Mike. I am half of this well, podcast.
0: You just look like it, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, this
1: is almost, doesn't this kind of feel like a season two, like kind of vibe. We really didn't podcast for like three months, you know, give or take like an American myth episode. Well,
0: okay. Is, you is, know, is, is this officially the way season that we two? Release, the way that we release them, it's continuous. So nobody really needs to know that we've taken a li- I mean, that we haven't recorded in a little while. We, it was more sporadic over the summer, but, uh, it was, yeah, it I was knew, more than just uh, one,
1: but I'm calling it season two. Welcome back to season two, I mean, everyone. Season two of the Voyage Podcast.
0: Thank you for confusing everybody right off the bat. So <laughs> uh because because the topic is um you know, cosmic the cosmic comic, uh,
1: I wanted to go through Can I just Can I just point out before we really get into this conversation that normally please normally all right, so I'm not in the habit of reading the outlines, right? You know in case people didn't watch season one. Um, and uh, <laughs> the, the reality is, is I can at least figure out what the subject matter is, even if I don't read the outline, just from like the title. In this case, though, I have no idea. Because... I have no idea what Cosmic Comic is going to be at all. And I, uh, I thought, well, maybe that's a good reason for me to check out the outline. But then I said to myself, why, else, why, why spoil it for me? You know, like I think yeah. uh, you
0: not you not reading the outline is a canon event. I think is what the kids are saying these days.
1: Yeah, well, it's definitely on brand. So, okay, uh, so what was your question? Now that I got that out of the way, uh, let's let's find <clears throat> what out what this episode is going to be.
0: What were some of your, or I guess, are if they're more recent ones, but some of your uh, favorite comedies? Favorite watch, comedies, going out, watching movies. Or I, I don't know think, if be TV how shows. many
1: of them are going to be appropriate for a. Uh, Christian podcast. I have to think about that. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, I grew up and I wasn't always like the, uh, you know, shining exemplar of moral, you know, aptitude that I am right now. Uh, we, when I was younger, we don't have anybody
0: under 18 listening to this podcast. So (laughs) I don't think, I think you'll be okay.
1: Uh, you know, I, I grew up watching things like old school and, uh, Zoolander and, uh, early, um, Adam Sandler's stuff in the 90s, obviously. Okay. But I'd have to think about like, what my favorite comedy is. I mean, if you really want to get into some of the things that, like, like Young Frankenstein is a okay fantastic flick that transcends like, quality defined by its category, but it happens to be a comedy. So, I mean, oh, that Jacob be likes there.
0: comedy films. he doesn't watch comedy movies <laughs> he watches comedy films. Is that what you're trying to
1: okay yeah, yeah that's you know <laughs> I mean, just to put my bona fides out there, you know, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, definitely unbranded. I feel like whenever uh, you put yeah what, when when you when you pose these questions to me, I'm always like uh caught on the spot. It's like, man, I know there are some funny movies out there that I absolutely adore, but I did you
0: watch? Uh, so I as a and again I'll say as a kid and you can put the disclaimer. Oh, you're too young. Fine. Uh, Tommy Boy. I mean, I was. It was anything. Tommy Boy for was for sure. But Tommy absolutely Boy in there.
1: Yeah. Is Joe Dirt. Yeah.
0: Is one of the, and then, but then a more uh, relatively more recent. It's probably it's probably over ten years old now or about ten years. But um, you know the Jason Siegel, Paul Rudd. I love you, man. This is like yeah after forty year old. Yeah, I love you, man. I just think I mean it's one of the it's a it's a buddy comedy. It's like a bro comedy or but um. Yeah, in terms of and maybe it was at a time where, you know, male friendships are are of course important and it's kind of tapping into one of those things about the um millennial male experience of mm-hmm, not being able to keep mm-hmm. close friends or make close friends or or real friendships. So I think it it's, it's actually pretty profound as well, but also just well, hilarious. You so you know, you get stand-ups? into Are you
1: Uh oh, so I I've watched I've watched less stand up than I have actual like film um so okay you, you'll have you go ahead and take the stand-up what i was about to say was that uh <laughs> off, if you go into like tv and things like that you know me and yeah, my wife watch yeah, the office like three times sure. through you know yeah. that's just the early seasons especially are just outrageously funny and probably couldn't get made today mm. so um they hold up for sure oh they hold up so well it cracks me up um um, so that's a really really good one in terms of parks satire i think like too.
0: well parks and rackets um the uh so 30 rock is kind of in that same there was kind of in the same 30 rock was good of the Office there was and, a golden but, age
1: of tv comedy in like the 2000s how i met your mother again kind of not appropriate but a very funny tv show um Well, and again, it just tapped into
0: one of those because that would have been like the act. They're all, what, maybe five years older than us, or well, maybe not five years older than you, but yeah, I'm pretty sure I was just kind Uh, of alive, you know. Like, so, so you're um, a contemporary, you're like, oh, these are my people. This is these are the shows I I grew up watching
1: in real time, yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, so they were, yeah, they were a little older than me. I mean, I think How I Met Your Mother came out in what, like 2000 two or something like that
0: yeah, so that's i would have been in high school it's at like the time. you can't believe that's that's when life comes at you fast is when you're like oh that came out then like that's that old but mm-hmm. yeah no that's definitely and i and I, may, I mentioned jason siegel for i love you man he was definitely a big part of the how funny how i met your mother was but
1: oh yeah for sure dude um for sure
0: so i i can remember i mean listening over and over and I don't know if I if I had to choose like between stand up comics or you know comedy movies I it's I don't think it has to be a choice between the two but I definitely listened to um as a kid Rodney Dangerfield my dad had a cassette tape of Rodney Dangerfield <laughs> that I would listen to over and over um, dude when you I said stand up, up comics name.
1: I didn't think you were gonna pull out Rodney Dangerfield <laughs> well I'm going
0: all the way back I I'll
1: I'll go up to the more that's, you know
0: contemporary ones that's but a deep cut actually. Yeah. The ones I remember the most, yeah, what's in a name and no respect, of course, are the two Rodney Dangerfield ones. Um, but then my uncle, for it was either birthday or Christmas, got me a it was a Jerry Seinfeld uh, stand-up. And mm. I think it's I'm telling you for the last time. I, I, I don't know okay. how, you know but if, what the t- but yeah, those ones. I've listened to those ones multiple times as well. More recent, sure. uh so, do you are you familiar with like any more recent one? I mean, John Mulaney. Well, yeah, is, no, I mean, I've watched John Mullaney's really funny, popular.
1: he's super funny. Yeah. I have seen, um, I don't remember which one it was, but I've seen his stand up special. Uh, it's kind of fun that he brings Catholic stuff into it, which is kind of cute. Um, oh, yeah, we
0: love that. <laughs> uh,
1: so you know what though? Who... He's not, he's not like, unless I've missed some jokes that get like real below the belt, he's surprisingly um I thought that like his humor felt like it was coming from a place of love and not from like a place of like I hate the Catholic Church. Um you know, I don't know. So
0: it's I think it's it's maybe a little more ambiguous than that. One where I would say it veers more towards the positive of what you're describing. Another example is actually Jim Gaffigan, who has hmm. been public about his, he's you know, stupid funny, and yeah, and he's he's someone who again has has talked about his Catholic upbringing, talks about his, um, you know, he's still like he and his wife are practicing Catholics, and so he's one where you get that sense of it's more like it, I I've kind of compared it to. Um, it's one thing when you a fam family members make fun of each other. It's different when somebody outside the family makes fun of the family members. Then they all kind of band together and they're going to defend themselves. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you get that sense more, yeah. And I think even with John Mulaney, you get a little bit of that sense of like, oh yeah, they were both raised Catholic. They're they're part of you know part of the family. When they make fun of it, it's a little bit different than when somebody outside or somebody who yeah. has been very publicly, um, uh, what am I trying to say? Just Oh, just antagonistic or whatever. Yeah, stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Um, So Louis C.K. Louis C.K. is probably the funniest comedian today. Louis C.K. is (sighs) hilarious. I mean, again, kind of, kind of, kind of inappropriate, right? But uh,
0: kind of. Yeah,
1: yeah, he's uh, probably probably not for the kids, (laughs) or maybe even for someone who's. (laughs) He's actually (laughs) another one who was raised Catholic too, and kind
0: of grapples with that. By the way. I don't know if you. Yeah, he 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 comes across as kind of.
1: Yeah, um, obviously Chappelle stuff. I've watched a few of the Chappelle episodes. Uh, Pretty good.
0: Well, and actually, so we can maybe get into this too a little bit because, um, so one of the things that the Catholic uh, author Flannery O'Connor she she grew up in the the South, which is you know the Bible Belt, not necessarily known as being friendly to Catholics. But she referred to it as the Christ haunted South, where, and you'll have even people today who are very critical of, you know, evangelical Protestantism or just the kind of Bible Belt mentality, where it's like you have this kind of lingering presence of God or Jesus or this kind of low church or the Bible, right? The Bible Belt. Um, yep. And it's always kind of there, lingering and present, even though in many overt ways, right? So much of, so many can reject that, you know, whether it's formal religion or Christianity or Jesus or whatever. And I see something similar when you look at a lot of these, and maybe I just notice it more with the Catholic comedians, because again, coming from that same tribe, but you have a sort of like church haunted or Christ haunted or Catholic haunted comedian, even amongst those who have rejected formally rejected Catholicism or don't practice it anymore or even will sometimes make fun of, you know, different aspects of Catholicism. And well, so you see a, a similar sort of thing, too.
1: Everything everything uh, in our society is reactionary in regards to Christianity, right? Um, I'll be the first yeah. one to say that we're like a post-Christian reality, right? But that comes with a lot of caveats when you say post-Christian, because in some sense it's still fundamentally building on the foundation of Christianity and still a reaction to Christianity, right? And that permeates Mm. everything, just absolutely everything, whether it's a deconstruction of Christianity, a a revolt against Christianity, or a kind of like, whatever, uneasy truce with Christianity, right? You know, there's all these types of different realities from our architecture to our comedians to uh, just our cultural conversation, right? I think that's kind of what you're keying in on there.
0: Yeah, no, exactly, and and actually, I've even heard not exactly what you were describing, but um, sometimes when you'll hear people who maybe will um convert from some version of Protestant Christianity to Catholicism, is they'll look back and they'll see how so much of their Protestant Christianity was, uh, what did you say, a just a, re- a reaction to, yeah, a, a reaction to, to, thank you, reactionary yep. to what what Catholicism was already there, right? And and I know I I would say from both of our perspectives, uh, reaction to historic Christianity or classical Christianity, sacramental Christianity. So
1: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep.
0: Um, two other ones, uh, they, they, again, they'll actually, they'll talk about their, their Christian faith. Neither of them were, were brought up um, Catholic or Orthodox, but uh, Pete Holmes talks a little bit about that too. And this is, this wasn't even meant to be like, a, Oh, what are some Christian comics or Christian standups? These just happen to be the ones who, I mean, they're all wildly popular and, um, And I I personally think are hilarious. But Pete Holmes is another one who he kind of talks about. He's very much more of that deconstruction of his evangelical Protestantism that he had. And then uh, I don't know if you've ever seen any of the he's he has some Netflix specials and um, Amazon Prime, Nate Brigazzi. He's Hmm. another one that. uh, Oh, man. I think the Netflix specials that he's done are better than the Amazon Prime ones, but you'll you'll laugh pretty hard at those too. It's,
1: okay, it's very I'll good. check it out. You know, so. I did remember like as as the conversation wore on, something that's in my top three comedies of all time for sure. Ah, uh, that would be okay. Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder. Oh, a, sat- from like a good set. 2000, yeah. 2007. thousand seven. That is one of the funniest films, as far as I'm concerned. That's just one of the funniest films ever made. It is just stupid you know, funny. It's got a hilarious cast and everyone's just firing on all cylinders. Robert Downey Jr's character in that movie again probably going to get made today, but it's mm. it's just stupid it's funny. It's come up
0: recently for like, you know, people talking about how it's problematic and stuff. You know, you're kind of touching on something that I've been kind of turning over in my head quite a bit for probably the last actually probably the last couple of years. But you're touching on this idea. Some people will kind of roll their eyes about how Hollywood takes itself too seriously, right? In terms of how profound it is or how important it is. Um, but on the flip side, Hollywood can actually be really, really good at making fun of itself too. And for that same, you know, whether it's that sure. same um, profundity that it, the pompousness that it thinks it has. And it's really, really good at recognizing how bad Hollywood can be and i was thinking of some recent <laughs> examples so traffic thunder is a really good satire of the kind of you know film f- making of the film industry uh, there was a tv yeah. show on hbo called the other two where it talks about two siblings of this famous person so like the other two siblings but it's basically a look at the the fame industry the hollywood industry um okay. bojack horseman is another example of that where it's a huge yep. satire on just what about life that. in hollywood as a star is and then, um, oh, and then the more, the recent movie Babylon too, which isn't a comedy, but it's a, it's very much showing, it's a mirror to what 19, I think thirties, twenties or yeah, thirties and forties Hollywood culture was. Sure. Well, it's the Brad Coen Pitt, brothers Margo made a movie, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. Um, Coen brothers made oh, a movie hail a while Caesar. back. Um, hail Caesar. That's, uh, hail Caesar. Yeah, that's, right. that's a good kind of send up of it. That's so, so,
0: so, anyway, I like I said, it's it's an idea that you know, when you mentioned Tropic thunder, it re- reminded me of um this this idea that you know, I think there's something to that, actually. You know, there's a prophetic element of it can still have that critical look at itself. Now, the thing that we would both recognize as as Christians is that just having that criticism, just being able to see the problem or the flaw, doesn't necessarily mean you have an answer to it. And that's one of the more the profound things, too is, Hollywood can be really, really good at seeing its own problems or its own flaws, but it has no way to grasp for an answer, you know?
1: Yeah, well, that's no doubt. You know, this basic idea of the court jester, right? Like, uh, trying uh, to—satire as such is communally necessary, right? And it's it's a way to kind of, like, release tension, release pressure um, from what could erupt into, like— genuine resentment or anger at, like, hypocrisy, mm. let's say, right? Or injustice or, or whatever. Um, but if we can laugh at it, and I think if you listen to any comedian talk about, like, why they're into comedy and they start to, like, wax philosophical about it, it's going to be that kind of sense of we provide a service. We provide a almost, almost spiritual a service. Like, yeah, to... Well, to just the nature of, like, human society. I mean, like, human society needs... Uh, this goes back to some of our um, mimetic conversation, right? You know, like, if, yeah. you're, if, you're not, if you're not laughing, you're crying is a phrase. Well, maybe if you're not laughing, you're sacrificing scapegoats. So, you know, like, mm. uh, laughing is a way or to is, kind of, like...
0: Or does the jester huh? become this, the appropriate scapegoat or the nonviolent scapegoat, too? Well,
1: mm-hmm. it's kind of like it's kind of like a way of um publicly calling something out without it getting violent, let's say, right um, yeah. so I do think that eventually the comedy can only like save you so much, you know, like society anyway, mm-hmm. and you still end up with these like kind of cultural revolutions and whatnot. but in the meantime, it's oftentimes that comedians that are performing that. Prophetic role, right? We talk a lot about this kind of prophetic type calling out society angle, you know, to prophets. Yeah. Um, but they do it in a way. They do it with humor, you know. They do it with a, a way that allows people to kind of, in the best case, kind of laugh at it, laugh at themselves, laugh along with things, and kind of, uh, you know, decompress a little bit, right? So it's a it's an incredibly sure. important social function for sure.
0: Well. And one of the things that we will kind of get into, and this we're we're, not to jump ahead too much, but in that spirituality of laughter, is we're going to talk about the the necessary imbalance that has to be there when it comes to like whether it's making a joke, recognizing a joke, or in your case, you know, being able to point out the set the satirical element. Is there has to be some sort of imbalance, and there's actually, like I said, there's a spirituality to that. Um, So before that, though. How far back do you think this like theory of comedy or theory of of you know, I guess laughter or whatever? How far back do you think that goes, Jacob?
1: <laughs> I mean, it goes forever? pretty far. <laughs> I mean, <laughs>
0: like,
1: so from the beginning. Is there? Is, are we, we going to find, find a joke in the Genesis account? Like, where are we going gonna, with this? No,
0: well, I didn't. I didn't mean anything like that. Uh, oh. So it's it's um, not. You remember, remember that time that Cain <laughs>
1: yeah. pranked Abel. It was pretty good, you know. Took it a little too yeah, far. If only but... there
0: were if only there could have been a pun about, yeah, this rocks or something, but uh, <laughs> so right after right after Plato, it doesn't all go back to Plato, but Aristotle has in his poetics um something about comedy. Comedy aims at representing men at as worse than in actual life. And so yeah. there you have this and that. Did that you say that Plato said that? No, I said Aristotle. I said it doesn't all go oh. back to Plato. I was joking because oh. that's a little callback yeah. to... Uh,
1: Season yeah. one. It's all Plato. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the uh, that's funny because you look at people like Homer Simpson, right? Or even... Um, <laughs> why am I blanking on Steve Carell's character in The Office? Um, Michael Scott? Well, anyway, Michael Scott. Yeah, how could I forget Michael that? Michael Scott. Um, yeah. yeah um, you know, like, yeah it it's especially true nowadays the buffoon, that like yeah. yeah men you get a lot of comedy out of buffoonish men right um, mm-hmm. and i suppose that's always well, been true i suppose there's always been examples well, of it actually, anyway
0: well and it speaks to something um this uh, well i i get you could call it imbalance or you could see this like lack of incongruity between what's so, is supposed to be and what actually is and this goes back to, it kind of goes back to your satire thing where it's like only the jester can point out how ridiculous the, how things are, how far away they are from how they should be, right? Or how the, you know, the action of the king or the kingdom or whatever. And so it's like, that really kind of goes back to, you know, when it comes, when it says men as worse than an actual life, you see that imbalance, you see that incongruity and you can look at so many jokes, right? Why is it called a punchline? Is because you weren't expecting it. It's because it was, you were expecting it to end a certain way and it came off something different. Right. And that's what makes it, that's why when you've heard a joke over and over, it's not funny anymore because there's not that sense of it's not unexpected.
1: Right. Well, absolutely. I actually tried to explain this to my kids once and they didn't believe me. But I was like, and I think that you did a, <laughs> a pretty eloquent job of uh, stating out the the thesis here. Um, but I was like, yeah, humor basically comes from surprise. Like when something surprises mm-hmm. you, you get joy out of the unexpectedness of it. And that results in this unintended guttural sound that you make, right? Like no one ever sits there and thinks mm-hmm. about how weird laughing is as such, but as this weird kind of like yeah. uh loud hiccup <laughs> we make, you know, that like, uh, as a result of being surprised. Right. And so that type of that, it and but when you think about that, when you think about the fact that laughter is the combination of like joy and surprise, right? You're kind of getting into mm. this kind of like spiritual awe territory, right? Yeah. Like exactly. there is something No, that, yeah. no go for it. Well, yeah. Is that where is so that where the, the thing, outline was the going, Mike? That, Am I
0: <laughs> believe yeah. There's always a plan. Uh, so okay. um Mike's providence over what, here. The folks. first thing the first the first the first thing you have to recognize is that what's, it's actually, it's a, it's rational. You have to be, it's utterly rational to be able to see something as funny because like you said, you first have to have that sense of expectation. Now, in order to have that sense of expectation, you have to be able to like either recognize this is how things usually are. And then to see into the future, see into the abstract and say, this is how it's going to end up again. But then, like you said, recognize when it doesn't And this is happening, you know, how fast does it take you to hear a punchline and laugh? It's instantaneous. So you have to be able to do that immediately, right? That's why, you know, that's why puns are so funny, is because we know how the word is normally used, and you already have to have that knowledge stored in your head, and then you have to figure out, and it sometimes happens immediately, how it's being used differently. And so it's an eminently rational action to get a joke, to laugh, and so it... it, (laughs) you know, it goes with our humanity, but we talk about rationality when it comes to, like you said, it's, it's the, um, to have that surprise, it's the beginning of wonder. And guess who said philosophy is the beginning of wonder, Jacob, you're never going to believe it. Plato. It was Plato. Yeah. It yeah. All, it's all, it's, all goes <laughs> by. it's Plato all the way down.
1: Yeah, baby. Um, you know, I bet so, you there's, you know, one day, because probably not today, but one day there'll be a bunch of stand-up <laughs> comics listening to this podcast, and they're all gonna pick up their pitchforks and come for us because we're sitting here like academically deconstructing, deconstructing. what laughter is. Yeah, right. Nothing's no, it's funnier. Been, it's been than, done before. Uh, I know. Do you think hey, it
0: came for Aristotle? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> probably. Um, so a
0: more another a more recent example, and I actually. um so Henri Bergson, have you ever heard of of him? he's a philosopher from mm-hmm. uh, I guess it'd be the 1940s and 50s. Um so he uh he wrote, he wrote a and it's not a huge book. I think it's not even 100 pages, but it's called Laughter an Essay on the Meaning of the Comic. And so he hmm. was somebody too and I think he was a um now I'm now I'm kind of blanking unfortunately. I think he was an existentialist philosopher. He was uh born and raised in the, yeah, in the what jewish time thing. did he live in um,
1: <laughs> i'll tell you if he's existentialist or not
0: well it, it was like i said i i know it was around the um 1940s and 50s because he mm-hmm. was uh he was he was um has jewish upbringing jewish ethnicity but he was actually um very struck by and he didn't he wasn't killed in the holocaust but he was struck by the experiences of of
1: Did it leave an impression on him, Mike? fellow Jewish people. Did the (laughs) the Holocaust (laughs) leave an impression on him?
0: Well, Hmm. but one of the things that um, I I just thought was kind of interesting about his bio is that he came very close to converting to Catholicism. So Hmm. he was very much struck by in a lot of ways. But one of the things that he said he wanted to maintain his um, Jewish identity until his death is because he wanted to have that stronger sense of solidarity with the, the people who died in the Holocaust and um mm. and like i said it's a i you know not just a kind of profound life profound thinker but uh has some interesting things to say and like you said people don't think of well what's the philosophy of laughter what's the philosophy of jokes and yet as you know we've already as we can already kind of recognize it is such a phys- philosophical action whether like you said it's connection with wonder and awe or surprise and like, yep. and like I said, it, it's got this rational basis. It's an unnecessary rational basis.
1: Well, and you know, here's the other thing, because we do laugh at jokes that we've heard before. Right. Um, it, but here, it, it's not the same experience. Obviously you have that mm. um, kind of whatever you want to call it, that sudden surprise that gives way to like the greatest sense of laughter, let's say. Um, when you first hear a joke, but jokes that we keep going back to that keep making us laugh. You know, I think what you've done yeah. is you've transitioned into a kind of um, familiarity that renders that, that, that approach is kind of like love, frankly. Now this might sound mm-hmm. all like, you know, you know, unnecessarily profound or something like that. But when you think, you know, I've seen, for example, I said, Tropic Thunder is hilarious, Right. And even though I know exactly what to expect now, and I know what jokes I'm going to find the funniest, and I can anticipate all these things, but I will still find those jokes the funniest. I will still laugh out loud a lot of the time, even if it's not as uproarious as it once was, or first was, or whatever you want to say. Because there is a kind of, you know, it's probably rooted in like nostalgia. It's probably rooted in... Um, being able to relive the first time you had that sense of surprise, right? Um, But then Mm. also, uh, it's a sense of like, how do you want to say this? Like coming home, coming home to something that uh, you find enjoyable, right? And so that's why I I say there's almost a sense of...
0: I thought you're going to say oh. you're entering into the mystery. You're, you're,
1: well, honestly, you're there you go. Hey, I love that angle. That's a great. That's yeah, a great angle um, because you're you're revisiting. You know, your...
0: come on, Orthodox guy. Let's you know, <laughs> let's, let's make this liturgical. Let's get it. Let's make it spiritual.
1: Well, you know, we're we're known for our comedy, Mike. You know, um, <laughs> there's a tradition in the Orthodox Church that Jesus never left. I'll leave that oh, really? I'll leave that for people to ponder um you know it certainly to a modern ear doesn't sound very cool right we don't like the idea of Jesus um, you know not laughing right um and I think some people be straight up offended at the idea like how dare how you know I can't even imagine right and for the record that's not my personal favorite uh, suggestion you know. I'm very much a happy warrior kind of guy, and I, I do think laughter is good. Um, but I'm never going it to seems just like to betray straight up dismiss, humanity too. But there, there's you're right, and I think that's you know, we're almost offended that like you know how can how can someone be fully human and like not laugh right? Um, at the end of the day, mm. I I don't even remember like where that tradition comes from. Um, and so I can't really defend it very well. Outside of the fact that I think that um it speaks to the kind of like the peace of Christ, right? I don't think it's meant to I don't think it's meant to imply that Christ was dour. I think it's meant to imply that Christ was uh-huh. unperturbed, that he was not
0: pushed by his well, passion. Or that he was, and he that was that he wasn't perfectly triv- trivial at, either. You know. Yeah, he wasn't Cause yeah. Sometimes because sometimes people equate laughter with trivialities, which I don't think is entirely you know correct or fair either. But again, if you're coming at it from well, like that it can assumption, be then. you
1: know you can look at laughter, you can you can approach, you can take it too far, just like any passion, right? Any passion hmm. can go too far, and if you live in a world in which nothing is taken seriously, um, or if your worldview or the way you behave in life uh, takes nothing seriously. That's deeply disordered, <laughs> frankly, right? Um, holiness and sanctity tends to almost be on the opposite of frivolity, right? Uh, I think that we mm-hmm. need both in our lives, right? Um, but uh, you see where people are coming from when they kind of like side eye um, too much jokiness or whatever. But that's that's all the more reason to have a conversation about like the proper place of laughter and and you know, its relationship to joy. And joy's relationship to worship, right? And so, you well, know.
0: <clears throat> and even so, and even what you're kind of touching on is what what you're kind of describing is when even something like humor is not subject to charity, right? So you can imagine, like, even let's just take the comedian who's always on, right? The person who just can't recognize when the social situation calls for, you know, whether it's seriousness or solemnness or sincerity, but they have to keep making a joke out of everything. Well, that's where the The laughter or the irony has not been subjected to charity, right? Because charity yeah. called for me to be sincere. Charity called for me to be solemn. And yet I still uh, have to, you know, do a little bit, make a make a little joke. And so that's where it's a balance, right? Well, you uh, can almost... When it comes to I want human to, actions.
1: What you just said uh, brings to mind how comedy has changed in the last, like, 60 to 80 years, Right. Um, in good ways and bad ways. I'm not, this is actually not me about to say that comedy is worse than it used to be or vice versa or nothing like that. Um, I'll actually, my beloved aunt, who is a pillar of Christian charity and spirituality and a huge role model for me. Um, she grew up, uh, in the boondocks of Pennsylvania, um, like Pennsylvania Dutch family. They had like an outhouse like when she was like a little girl and things like that. Um, Very traditional conservative Protestant person though, right? Um, I remember trying to sit there and like, I found out that she had never watched America's Funniest Home Videos before. And I was like, it blew my mind. It's you know, I every Sunday, that was like a tradition when I was a little kid, we'd watch America's Funniest Home videos, you know. But it's like, you've never Mm. seen this before. You are gonna this is so funny. You are gonna think this is so humorous. I must have been like twelve at the time. And I remember like finding a way to watch it with her, and I sat down, and of course, it's all just people getting hit in the You know, junk with baseballs and things like that, or like falling off of sleds or whatever, just people getting hurt all the time, basically. (laughs) And I'll never forget looking at my aunt, my aunt's response was abject horror. She was shocked and appalled and just like, is she, is she okay? is he okay? Oh no, it was like she was watching a saw film or something like that. <laughs> and I'm sitting here trying to laugh at it. I'm sitting here trying to like and she's just and like, like super horrified. And I'm immediately you're no, the vibe. I'm, <laughs> yeah, you're killing, and, and you're you can just you just picture just picture me on the couch being like uh, uh okay Okay. And then all of a sudden, and all of a sudden now I can't stop. I can't unsee the fact that that person just like broke his arm probably or like oh no, that tree almost killed that person. Like she she completely sucked all the humor out of it. And it was just this like unending like episodes of people getting like mangled <laughs> and seriously harmed. And I was like, I'm a monster. We're monsters, I
0: guess. <laughs> you know, like Jacob you know, you want to know what the next, uh, the, the next bullet point on the outline was actually the next theory. Okay. So there was this, um, uh, even more recent than Henri Bergson was, uh, Peter McGraw and Joel Warner, who one of them is a, I think one of them is a college professor. The other one's a journalist, but they went and they traveled around the country and they, um, studied the, you know, whether it was different standups or history of different com- comics or things like that. But they wrote this book called the humor code. And it was basically with this idea of what makes things funny, and I can't remember if it was McGraw or Warner, which of the two, but they had this. Um, they came up with this theory called the benign violation code, and that's <laughs> okay. you're actually kind of describing what happens when the when the the uh, Venn diagram of the benign and the violation when one of them when it veers t- closer to, too much towards one side or the other, because what you were just talking about, you watching it as a kid you it was right in the middle right in the sweet spot of comedy where it was benign because you weren't worried about the people getting hurt yeah but then but it was still the violation right oh the the ball shouldn't go there or the guy shouldn't have been standing there whatever <laughs> the, the cases and yeah that's not where and, uh, the ball belongs that's not how yeah, <laughs> yeah right so sure so, but what you're just talking about is how for this other person, it strayed too far to the violation. And when you started seeing it through her eyes, you only saw it in terms of violation and not that it wasn't benign enough anymore. And so you uh-huh. we were horrified or, or at least she right. was horrified. And so that's exactly like you're at, you kind of just illustrated, right? Two different people, two different places on the benign violation, you could say spectrum. And
1: well, we definitely goes, turned off the episode and I don't think my aunt ever quite looked at me the same way. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) If this is what he thinks is funny, what do I know? Oh, man. Um, You know, honestly. uh,
0: That boy. boy, uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) What's wrong with the kids these days? Uh, But here's the thing. No, the reason why I even brought it up, and then we'll get back to the benign, whatever you called it, code. But, like, um, you know. What I was saying is, humor has changed across time, and it's not a good or bad thing per se. Because if you look at like humor from back in the 30s and 40s and things like that, if you're looking at like the Three Stooges, for example, that's all just. And this is where America's funniest home videos, slapstick. my whole anecdote came. It's all slapstick, and slapstick just means violent, yeah. <laughs> right? And then you mm-hmm. start getting into like Looney Tunes. Uh, I grew up watching. It's all ham- anvils on heads, and you know, Wile E. Coyote being blown up, and things like that, right? Or uh, you know, Elmer Fudd getting shot in the face with a shotgun. Uh, these are all
0: there again. Is like
1: it's the same thing you were just what was talking the about. Violation.
0: The violence yeah. or the violation in Three Stooges, somebody gets poked in the eye, somebody gets hit. You know, it's not like their brain comes out, but they get hit in the head with a two by four. Or, but it's all accidental. Yeah, and it's, 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 yeah, it's
1: kind of safe, right? Because no one actually gets hurt. You know,
0: but it's but it's also accidental, which speaks to the. It's not how things are supposed to go, right? That's not how mm-hmm. a piano is supposed to be moved into an apartment, or. And then, same thing with Looney Tunes is, you know, where's the benign part? The benign is because it's all animated. Right? You can't sure. have a real person get blown up, but you can have a cartoon get blown up. That's there That's where the benign comes in,
1: unless you're watching Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Classic. Go check it out. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's a fun movie. we should we should do an episode on that sometime,
0: you know, and this so you actually kind of touched when you mentioned it was like she was watching one of the saw films. and it reminded <laughs> me of there's actually this kind of thing in there's a strain in the horror genre where they try to make horror movies funny. You know? Oh,
1: dude! You're and telling so me. I
0: th- it's, so it's a kind of interesting. Well, no, I, I wasn't saying it to you like you didn't know. I was just kind of like, no, no. There's really, really
1: good examples of Isn't this, that- though. <clears throat> Super fun examples of this. I mean, quote unquote fun, right? Uh, take take this with a grain of salt. You know, venture at your own risk, kind of thing, into some of these things. But um, there's, you know, so Reanimator is a comedic film that's. Pretty inappropriate. Um, But Evil Dead 2 is also, uh, you know, Evil Dead 2 is a remake of Evil Dead 1 that was a serious horror movie, but it was very low budget. And, but it was, you know, just buckets of like fake blood and just it was over the top. And what the um, director noticed was that people were actually getting kind of like thrills and chuckles out of the overtop nature of the first one. So he makes Evil Dead 2 which is just a remake. He calls it Evil Dead 2, but it's the exact same story as Evil Dead 1, but just he leans into the audience reactions from the first one and he yeah, turns it winks, into much more of a comedy for all of it. Yeah, it's very yeah. over the top, it's very extreme and, that's, and if that's Sam yeah, Raimi people right? love that the, stuff. The guy who made the Sam Spider-Man Raimi. The, Exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah, the Spider-Man the Tobey Maguire trilogy.
1: Mm-hmm. And then eventually you get to uh, yeah. one of the greatest horror comedies of all time is Cabin in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods is a deconstruction of the horror genre as such. And I will give away like no spoilers mm-hmm. for this movie if anyone's inclined to go watch it. It is incredibly enjoyable depending upon how much you enjoy horror movies and things like that. But it's very clever. And that clever, was, um, very that was the guy who humor. did Buffy, right? Yeah, Joss Whedon that was, was uh, the person Whedon, that right? yeah, helped yeah. create that one for sure. Yeah, uh, It was him and uh, David something... I don't know. Look it up. I want to give credit where credit's due because it was Josh Whedon helped. I believe. I think he co-wrote it, but it was more the the baby of the other guy, so he should get credit for it. But like, okay. um, stupid funny movie.
0: Well, even and and I know we've we've talked a little bit about deconstruction. Actually, not as much as I thought we would have. Well, that's where all the, the humor all is now. Episodes have come out yet. Yeah. That's no, where exactly. I was going to go. Like humor
1: has changed. So it used to be much more of a slapstick based humor, right? Or at least that's the stuff that I'm most familiar with because I grew up watching Looney Tunes and whatever. But like I'll mm. I'll give you a different example. I used to have Nick at Night growing up right where they would play all the old tv sitcoms back in the day and if you watch something like the dick van dyke show and i've done this in adulthood it's like you know what i'm gonna go back and like just like watch some dick van dyke show and and just see what it's like and it's funny it's legitimately funny go watch it like they find really really humorous good comedic things that you that transcends and this is what's most striking about it to me is it's not like some of it can be slapstick right you know he like tumbles over the Ottoman, right? And the opening credits kind of thing. But for the most Uh part, it's just human. It's just finding the comedy Mm -hmm. in, you know, miscommunication between spouses or, you know, stuff like that. That's the thing, it's a marriage
0: comedy. So it's like that'll always be marriage and family comedy. It will always be around and it'll always be Yeah. Working at the
1: office, dealing with the boss, you know, all that type of stuff, Mm -hmm. right? It's genuinely funny. I feel like nowadays, the only comedy In the buffet line is all almost universally deconstructive it's like you know it started basically with south park you want to say right even even early simpsons episodes so simpsons has been around for 30 years plus i think and you can watch early simpsons and they're much more like dick van dyke they're much more about just like finding the humor in like the mundanities of life kind of thing and you know across time and hey Mm. You know, I'll give them a break. It's been thirty years. how How many how many shows about mundanity can you make? So it's far more deconstructive now. Simpsons has evolved into being. It's been influenced by things like Family Guy and American Dad and South Park and things like that. I, I think
0: I would probably argue that Simpsons probably did it before those because that's when, like, I think when Conan O'Brien started coming in. Uh, during what some call the the golden years of The Simpsons in the like mid 90s, mm, yeah, think that's when it sure. starts to kind of go in that direction too. I mean, and not just because Could they're be. doing like parodies of famous movies or you know thing or parodies of, but that that is kind of where you start to see it. I mean, even like the Treehouse of Horror um, episodes; those are yep. all just like sort of like retellings or you know deconstructions sometimes of whether the horror genre or some sort of like, well, it's usually horror because it's treehouse of horror, but so you, I think you start to see it, you know. Well, a lot of, a I lot of regular you'll see, episodes, yeah, you'll see it,
1: I mean, a lot of regular episodes of Simpsons are also, you know, loose parodies of other like plot lines. Or oh, right. yeah. I can't one give you a good example One of my favorites is when se, they but. do
0: the, uh, I can, the uh, um, Lord of the Flies one. Did you ever see that one? They're yeah. They're going I, to a model UN trip and they get stranded on an island. There's a Lord <laughs> I don't of the know Flies if I that parody head episode. Head That's it's funny. Really good one.
1: I know there's a Sideshow um, Bob episode that's a send-up of uh, Cape Fear. Cape Fear. Yeah, yeah, that's a classic one. Um, you know, some of these, uh, this idea, where would you put something, because these are movies that have come to mind now, or some of my favorite comedies of all time, would be the, um, oh, what were their names? They did like Airplane. Like Airplane, the original Airplane especially. Mm. Um yeah. That what, stupid humor, humor that is just dumb is endlessly entertaining. And I don't know. I don't know if it's yeah. just me. It's obviously not because those things are classics and people love them. But, um, you know, the Police uh, Squad movies, Leslie Nielsen is a comedic... Er, no, oh. Police Academy is its well, own police thing. Police
0: Academy and then there's yeah. Naked Gun.
1: Naked Gun, okay. yeah. From the files of Police Squad. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, it's Naked Gun. You're right. Um, uh, those movies are stupid funny too. Um, Hot mm. Shots, Hot Shots, and Hot Shots Part d it's where I actually got the part two well, for the prophecy episode, part two episode,
0: and that's it's Pat two. Um, and that's actually because I mean that's just kind of making fun of uh, Top Gun, so it's like
1: the first one is the second one's making fun of Rambo. Yeah, and they're both they're both funny. Yeah, go check them out sometime, folks. Um, but like you know, again, that's that's the inversion of what's normal kind of thing, you know, mm. or the unexpected. Mm. That's what they're. No, it's, but they're also, they're also, they're they're perfect examples for me of both types of humor. The novelty of when you first see it, but then the yeah. nostalgia of revisiting it, right? And, you know, seeing Leslie Nielsen say, you know, and don't call me Shirley. Like, I'll never not laugh at that in context of the the well, movie. I just, it's...
0: And that's just a pun. So that's, yeah. Yeah.
1: That's, you know.
0: Puns are always fun. They is. <laughs> so... It's fun to pun. We haven't, I mean... We've, we've gotten a little bit into, like I said, the, the spirituality of it. We talked about how it's uniquely human, I mean, in, in a sense. Um, even though I was talking about it more on the rational side, you could almost say that it's uniquely human because there's not that same level of imbalance in our rational creatures of the angels, right? And so you don't have that same um, capacity for humor in the same way that you would with 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 humans, even though we're both That's rational. That's very interesting. And so it's... You know, I I don't Hmm. know if I, and I'd be willing to, I I think I'd, I'd want to explore it even further before I spoke even more confidently on it, but I don't think there's that same, like I said, the, um, capacity for, for imbalance, I don't think is quite the same or quite there. I'm not saying that every single angel is equal because in one sense they're less equal than two humans are right in terms of nature. But, uh, like I said, I, that's kind of, I don't want to go beyond my depth, but
1: no, oh, that's an interesting. And it would be beyond my depth too. But one also gets the impression that like demons and things like that can be mischievous, right? And there's a certain kind of like um, uh, diabolic humor to some of the mischief that um, you might find in some kind of anecdotes about like demonism, things like that. At the end of the day, humor is does belong to the passions, right? And uh, these are the things that can become out of control. I think that if you look at the nature of deconstructive humor that's kind of dominated the entertainment industry in the last 20 to 30 years, um, what -hmm. you're seeing is something that's removed from the kind of wholesome humor of like happy days or something like that, right? And you're seeing something that has a little bit of malice in it right at its yeah. best it can come from a place of love but oftentimes especially um the ones that are kind of firing on everybody like you know whatever south park or family guy or whatever there's a little bit more of a I i just want to see it all burn or i just want to make fun of everything because nothing matters you know it's all relative mm-hmm. and who cares don't take yourself too seriously it goes too far it goes too far in um well unbalance imbalance.
0: So, yeah. So I, I, I broke it into, there's a spirituality of laughter, but then there's a spirituality of satire and you're kind of getting into, so like deconstruction, that's just like another version of satire. That's basically just satire. And you're kind of going into the, um, I guess you'd say, you know, the, the extreme of satire, the extreme of, because that's where, like you said, it's coming from this place of nihilism, not from a place of charity, right? The Mm -hmm. hope for the jester, you know being the ju- speaking truth to power which you'll hear comedians say or talk about is so that the the power can act out of justice so that the power can be more just that the king can recognize where the in- imbalance or injustice is happening so that true justice can come forth that's obviously yeah. speaking from a place of virtue right that's when it's serving charity ultimately whereas like you said just wanting to watch it all burn because you don't care about anything or you hate everything well that's you know that's coming from a different motivation there's a reason why the joker is the, the
1: joker in batman you know yeah. he he dresses up like a clown because he is this kind of malicious intent he is he is the court jester taken to a place of nihilism and uh, inversion and things like that you know
0: well and wasn't his whole thing was yeah like it was showing that mirror back on he he wasn't just presenting a mirror to Batman in terms of where Batman's weak points were, but he was also showing a mirror to the, you know, class of criminals in Gotham, right? That's why Gotham needed a better class of criminal. Yeah. in the, the Dark Knight trilogy and so like,
1: specifically. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So like it was it was doing that same service, even though, like you said, from a different motivation, um, as opposed to, you know, wanting to actually see virtue come forth. Right.
1: But uh, you know, I guess at the end of the day, we're probably going to get the conversation back towards some of the more positive, um, you know, spiritual aspects of kind of joy and laughter, right? I don't know. I haven't read the outline, Mike. So I mean, I
0: guess, yeah. No, I actually <laughs> wanted to talk about. Did you ever have to read? Um, since we're since we have been kind of talking about satire, and I I, I do have a you know, I'm a kind of a sucker for it, whether it comes to satirical elements in TV shows. I kind of mentioned some of those. Thirty Rock is another good example of. Yeah. You know, like I said, it's 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 not hollywood cuz it's technically in new york but it's entertainment shining yeah, it's that very, way back on itself yeah. showing how ridiculous it is so the same right. same concept but um did you ever have to read a modest proposal in high school
1: yeah for sure I did. yeah where yeah. uh, the yeah. the best way so, to to figure out the irish famine problem you know he has a novel yeah, solution exactly. right yeah if you and, <laughs>
0: It's it's kind of haunting how not, how often that work comes back to me when I'll hear certain like people talk about certain societal problems today and it's like, oh, that's a very modest proposal, isn't it? But yeah, nobody right. Nobody it when I say that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, satire is fun for sure.
0: But there again, that's another, you know, that's a good example of like he was he he was doing it so that greater you know charity ultimately could come forth right it was to show how ridiculous the um presuppositions that people had about irish people or about poor people that mm-hmm. he's just saying this is your like this is already what you are thinking i'm just going to take it to its conclusion to its logical conclusion and well, some that's way, an important the, thing for a prophet to do yeah go the ahead.
1: best way to the best way to um you know, and I do this all the time. The best way to try to like, just get directly to the heart of a matter is to use an extreme version of it. And when you see the extreme Argumentum version of ad
0: it, absurdum.
1: yeah, 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 there you go. Um, fancy, fancy talk. Um, yeah. but, uh, that's what we Latins make, like to make, <laughs> you, <Yeah>, right. <laughs> you make the absurd argument and, um, but then you say, all right, well you, we both know that's absurd. We both know that's, that's gross or crazy or, or, you know, untenable. That's just degrees away from this supposedly mm. rational statement that you're making. All I'm doing is just showing you a bigger version. You're already going down version. that slippery slope. Yeah. This, it's the same logic that's behind this absurdity is behind mm. your more modest proposal, right? And, mm. there, you know, so sometimes you have to take it to these, like, you know, crazy places in order to show the truth of what's actually behind something that strikes a person as okay or not a big deal or something like that. My kids hate it when I do this. I'm always doing that. I'm always um, using these really outlandish examples related to like some kind of proposition they're making. And they'll be, you know, oh, that's not, that's absurd. That's, that's not what we're saying at all. It's like, it is what you're saying though. It's just, you're just saying like a, a more like mm-hmm. kind of like nuanced way of it, you know? It you doesn't work on my till, kids.
0: You know, you want to stay out <laughs> till midnight? Why not 1201? Well, 1201 is only a minute away from 1202. Well, if 1202, why not 1203? And then you just go on and on until dawn, right? So,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, I wish I could think of a, a good example off the top of my head, but I can't. Um, it, it's more like, you know, it, it, it's closer in spirit to, well, would you walk off a bridge if your friends asked you to kind of mentality? You know, it's like, oh, you think that's okay, oh. but would it be okay if it was like this? And they'd be like, but it's that's not what we're saying. It's like, yeah, but it's I'd have to give you a good example, and <laughs> I can't do it. So <laughs>
0: it's just, you haven't trained them air in time. the fallacies yet. That was the bandwagon. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I you sh- haven't trained them need in all the logical doing. fallacies, I guess. Uh uh-huh. huh.
1: Where's my Aristotle at? But <laughs> all right.
0: All right. What's next, Mike? <laughs> you want me to keep going? <laughs>
1: yeah, I think so. So, season two, episode one. So,
0: so we we've got, we've talked a little bit about the the imbalance, and um, I I still wanted to kind of go into when we recognize, you know, we we kind of see this when it comes to a spirituality. One of the one of the um, common, you could almost say like cliches that people talk about is, um, well, you know, the heart of spirituality is recognizing that God is God and we are not. And what we're actually recognizing is there's an imbalance there and it's an important one. And we take it for granted, right? We want to be all pious about it, but it's that same imbalance when we try to make, when we make jokes in general. And so there's at the heart of it, there is that sort of like seed for humor and um, I don't know if you've heard this before. I think it actually is in um, The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Kempis. But if you want to make mm. God laugh, make a plan or tell him your plans or something like that. It's, it's oh, kind of, sure. sort of a cheesy line. It's, it's sort of a corny line when it comes, but the idea is, I dig it. right, it's, it's us forgetting who we are and, and forgetting who God is, right? It's, it's not recognizing that imbalance. And what does it do? It makes God laugh because God sees the imbalance better than we than we do. And so you can kind of see how at the heart of these, at the heart of this, you know, philosophy of humor or whatever, is there is, again, this imbalance of how things are and how we expect them to be. And that's where the joke is. Sure. And it kind of reminds me of, it reminds me of, uh, there was, you know, and again, I can't cite the specific example, but one of the things when when Aristotle talks about contemplation and and wisdom and... Is it, you know, and and friendship. I think it's actually in Nic- Nicomachean Ethics where he's talking about friendship. And the is this friendship possible with God? And Aristotle says, you know, the balance, there it's too imbalanced. The distance is too far between creator and creature where you could never have this friendship. And hmm. Aquinas, you know, makes that a big point, right? Because obviously Aristotle's coming from a pre-Christian natural yep. theology. Pre- pre-incarnation. Poetry, whereas... Yep. Yeah. Whereas Aquinas is coming at it from, well, that was, you know, now we actually have that leveling out, not because we got up to God's level, but because God stooped down to our level in, yeah, the incarnation in Jesus. Right. And so that's sure. where, and you know, it, it's funny. You brought up when you're talking about the the whole question of, did Jesus laugh? And I said, it seems like you're denying the you know, it, it almost seems, because again, what were some of the early heresies about? Kind of inhuman, right? It was right? either, yeah, it was either denying the divinity of Jesus or the humanity of Jesus. And you had to kind of square those two things, square that imbalance.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to come across that I that I have a strong criticism of that tradition I can't defend it well enough and I don't know enough about it I don't even remember who said it right but I know that it was for coming from people that are respectable right so I this is my caveat mm-hmm. this is my little asterisk it's like you know don't hate me I am not I am not knocking well, venerable christian saints you were just proposing it as a yeah, yeah. You're it's just part of this conversation, that's you know? out there,
0: Something that exists, yeah. You it's certainly, to, you
1: know, certainly something that needs to be understood because it's hard to understand. And honestly, if anything, I was just pointing out the idea that laughter and and you know that type of frivolous joy is such a part of our human condition that it's hard to imagine Jesus not participating in it. Right? Even though some people might. Mm suggest that he didn't. So it, it, the the juxtaposition itself proves the point of how how powerful it is as a aspect of our lives, you know. So mm. you know, whether it's true or not, it requires examination to even understand, I would say, because, you know, we like to laugh.
0: So well, and that's the thing is like and as, you know, you a person can listen to this and roll their eyes about like you said, we've kind of deconstructed or over philosophized humor. But I think what it kind of points out is that there's more to just like what we've tried to talk about when it comes to so much of, you know, entertainment or um, storytelling or um, just culture in general, is that if you take this sacramental view of it, that there's more to it than what you see on the surface, then it actually enriches, enriches it. It enlivens it so much more, Yeah. right? I don't not laugh at jokes just because I can, because I've read the humor code. Or I don't not laugh at jokes because I've read, you know, Aristotle's Poetics. I I sometimes I can laugh and think about them, you know, obviously even more so.
1: Yeah. Well, and I tell you what, that's why, I mean, you know, this is where I yell at clouds and things like that. But uh, I have kind of lost my sense of humor for, for things like Rick and Morty, for example. You know, Rick and Morty has been going on for long enough now that I used to laugh at it a lot. And I haven't actually watched the last couple seasons, so I don't know. But like a lot of the kind of deconstructive humor that I grew up on, honestly, just grew up on it. I grew up watching Family Guy and American Dad and um, all that stuff. Like, uh, I, you know, I just, it just. Doesn't make me laugh the way it used to because too often I guess I'm kind of like my aunt May watching America's Funniest Home Videos. And what was that phrase that that fancy phrase you used where like the benign? uh, Oh, it's like
0: the um, benign violation. So it's the the benign violation. violation, Yeah, Yeah.
1: I I have officially. It's not as benign as it used to be. Yeah, it's it's like I can't. I can't help but notice how like it it's basically kind of nihilistic and malicious, you know? And it just kinda takes the fun out of it for me, right? Um so, you know, if it, it's whatever. I I, I
0: feel like well, I an old what? man
1: just saying that, but like uh
0: guess what our you next know. two recordings are going to be? We're going to do The Boys, and then we're doing Rick and Morty just for you. Oh, so. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and if you guys... I oh, mean, great. So the joke's on me, The joke's uh, on Very me. good.
1: And don't call me Shirley.
0: And if you guys want to hear, uh, you know, me make fun of Jacob, well, I guess you'll have to f- come meet us separately, but uh, <laughs> if you want to hear more on the air making fun of Jacob... Don't forget to like and subscribe to the show. You know, keep um, keep listening, share it with your friends, leave a positive five star review, five star rating, uh, and yeah, we just we look forward to um, talking with you guys again. Thanks. You got a Jake? Uh, you got a joke for us, Jacob? I almost said you got a Jake for us, Jacob.
1: A Jake There's for a us, Jacob? No.
2: Thanks for listening to Voyage Podcasts. The Voyage Podcast is a production of Voyage Comics and Publishing which seeks to create exceptional entertainment informed by Catholic values that inspire people to live a heroic life. Voyage Comics seeks to advance truth and beauty found in powerful stories. To learn more, visit voyagecomics.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.